middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. This is Keeper of the Games. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Keeper of the Games. We are the wildly underqualified yet mildly entertaining podcast that's all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. I'm Tommy Castor. Weston Mills is still on paternity leave, and so we welcome back to the podcast the one and only Blake Cripps. Blake, you are an incredibly busy guy, and so I'm just grateful that you have taken a few minutes out of your busy schedule to grace us with your presence here on this show. I mean, you say the one and only. I'm glad that there is one and only because uh, I'm not sure that that two would be necessary. It might be a little overkill, even for me. The world is not ready for a second Blake Cripps. It's barely ready for just one of you. Think about how much we could accomplish, though, if we had twice as many great opinions on the world. Uh, You know, hot take horn. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I just oh, mean, he missed just it. Means, well, it just means double the hot takes. No, not not really. But yeah, d- double the hot takes. We appreciate you being here on the show, Blake. Uh, as we get into uh, the big sports topics of the week in Wichita and the state of Kansas and beyond, want to remind you all to hit subscribe. So anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast, you'll get a notification. It's as simple as that, and you can listen to us on all major podcast platforms like iTunes. Uh, I think they, actually they're now known as Apple Podcasts, but you can find us there. Google Podcast. Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, uh, basically anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Keeper of the Games right there. You can also check out our brand new website to listen and watch new episodes. That's cogsports.com, K-O-G sports.com. You can also watch episodes on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's at K-O-G pod. Let's get right into our top story. And again, we're not talking Kansas City Chiefs is our top topic. We will get to them in just a little bit here on the podcast, but where we want to start on this new episode is talking about prep football. Now, we've talked about Wichita metro area football uh, pretty consistently over the past several weeks, but usually in our Wichita whip around uh, segment of the show, but now we're getting into the playoffs for prep football around not just the Wichita metro, but around the state of Kansas. So what we want to do is recap last week and then look at the brackets that have been released for the different classes and some of the highlights that we've got our eyes on as we get into playoff football in just a couple of days from now. So when you look at uh, you know the the last week, Blake, I know that you know it's basically what the last week before the playoffs begin. Uh, there were definitely some big matchups that we were talking about. I think the biggest one. Uh, leading up to last week was the the battle between Hutchinson and Mays. Uh, that was the one that you and I spent a lot of time talking about. Were there any other matchups that going into last weekend that you had your eyes on at the very beginning? Well, there were some in the lower classes. I believe that uh, the Andale Indians were in a big game last week, and uh, you know I think that was for the league championship. Clearwater had a had a big game last week. Andale ended up beating Wichita Collegiate rather decisively. And that was a pretty close game going into halftime, but um, a lot like, I don't know if we're getting to the Sunflower beat down in the show, but um, that was, <laughs> oh, it was we'll a lot, there. it was we'll a lot like the, uh, the end of that half where, you know, KU and Kansas state, it was fairly competitive game. And then Andale just gets a bunch of scores in, 
a very short amount of time and what was a competitive game turns into a route and the Indians end up polishing off a perfect season, 43-14, knocking off the Spartans of Wichita Collegiate, their first loss of the season. So, you know, that to me was the big game in Class 3A that I was looking at last week. And uh, obviously, I mean, Andale's a juggernaut and we'll see if the Indians can this year, take it all the way and, and get it all the way to, to a state championship for what it has been and, and has perennially been one of the dominant teams in their division of the Arc Valley Chisholm Trail League. If Weston were here, he'd be able to tell us all about the history of Andale and probably be able to break down, you know, year by year records. And, and you that'd know, be all great. That and you know for, what? For if Andale. he wants to do that, he could get off his butt and show up. <laughs> How about that, Weston? You want to talk Andale football? That's fine. Why don't you be here? How about that, buddy? You know, that's two hot take horns in less than five minutes. So you're already take, that's a fact. You are already on a roll, Blake. Uh, no, obviously, Andale is an incredibly dominant program. They have been uh, for a long time. And, and when we get you know a little bit further into this discussion, we'll break down the class three, a bracket as we get into the first round of the playoffs. Going back to the, the game that I was most interested in at the very beginning, uh, you know, looking forward to last week's, you know, matchups, definitely the Hutchinson and Mays matchup that seemed to be sort of the uh, probably the, the one of the bigger games in the state, if not the biggest game in the state, and especially in the Wichita Metro. So Hutchinson ended Mays' undefeated season. The final score in that game was 32-28. So a, a close game between two pretty evenly matched programs between Hutchinson and Mays. It was a back and forth battle at home. Uh, and obviously, as we talked before, Blake, last week, both of these teams were undefeated. And so it was just you know sort of that question mark of who was going to leave that game uh, continuing to be undefeated, and that was obviously Hutchinson. Yeah, Hutchinson, just a real minor correction. They did lose earlier this season to Andover, so they were both uh, they're both seven and one. But they were the undefeated playoffs. in league play. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Undefeated in league play, and you know, not much separating these teams. Hutchinson, at this point of the season, after that win over Mays, you look at their resume. They have played in a ton of close games this year. They sweep the Mays schools. They beat Mays South by one, Mays by four. They have a one-point win against Garden City, eight-point win against Valley Center. So this is a team that has been tested in the toughest situations, and their only loss is to Andover. Andover is a team that has been a little bit up and down, but still five and three. Andover, a solid program, uh, and their only loss is to Andover Central, Eisenhower, and also to Mays. So, you know, I, I think for those Hutchinson Salthawk fans out there who are thinking, God, when are we going to get back to the dryling era of being a dominant force in either 5A or 6A? You know, maybe this is it. Maybe you can hang your hat on this Hutchinson football team. And man, if you're a Hutchinson fan, you cannot. Is it too early to start breaking down the 5A bracket? Because if you're a Hutchinson football fan, you have to be thinking to yourself, what in the world? And I know that both teams have to win a game to start. And this year's playoffs are probably going to be the least predictable, maybe in the history of high school football in Kansas. But you have to be thinking that they're going to beat Newton. You have to be thinking that Bishop Carroll is going to take care of Valley Center. Uh, Valley Center, by the way, I, I do think is a is a solid team. Uh, 
But if you're a Solhawks, you got to be thinking, what did we do to have to get Bishop Carroll in the second stupid round of these playoffs? How is that even possible against a Bishop Carroll team whose only losses are to Lawrence, which, by the way, can I interest you in the 7-0 and uh, Chesty Lions, and Derby, Derby's 4-2, and their only losses to Mays and Mill Valley. Mill Valley plays all these ridiculous Sunflower League teams. Critically difficult schedule playing out-of-state teams. They've only lost to one Kansas team, Gardner-Edgerton. If you heard of them, they're in the 6A playoffs pretty much every year. So you have to be thinking for the Salthawks, what did we do to get the Golden Eagles? This is going to be possibly, and I like I said, you cannot overlook any team. And I think the both Bishop Carroll and Hutchinson could lose their first round games. I do not want to go ahead and put these guys past Halloween, but this will be the renewal if it happens. Now that they're both in the same class, a renewal of some historic Dryling, Salthawk, Alan Shuckman, Bishop Carroll, huge substate matchups, district matchups, when these two were going head-to-head before Shuckman finally broke through for a state title in 2012. Um, you know, Salt Hawk fans and Bishop Carroll fans, I think, have a lot of respect for those two programs. So this is going to be a, a pretty huge matchup if they both we, uh, reach the second round of the playoffs. But as I said, both teams have very losable games in the first round. But, you know, when I look at the 5A bracket, that's the game that I want to see. Hutchinson, Bishop Carroll back. I don't think that they've played since 2011 against each other. That would be an incredible matchup, but a lot of work to be done by both squads to get there. Well, and let's even take it a step further, Blake, because if if Hutchinson can get through the second round, they could very well face Mays again in the <laughs> third round. And this is a team that they barely beat last week. So, you know, uh, the the I don't want to say the deck is stacked against the Salt Hawks, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, it's a tough bracket to get to. That is, that is a preposterous Western bracket. Absolutely ludicrous bracket this year in 5A for football on the Western side. Absolutely incredible how much strength there is on the Western half of the state this year. We'll break down the 5A bracket here in just a couple minutes, but staying in 5A, another team that has made the playoffs and another team that had a a big win over the weekend or last weekend. How about Cape and Mount Carmel? We've talked quite a bit on this program, Blake, about the Weston Sharks era. Clearly, that was the right move to bring in Weston Sharks to Cape and Mount Carmel. Last season, and I know that you know this, and I, I know a lot of people know this, but I, I have to state it for the record, just as a reminder, let's not forget that the Crusaders finished the season last year with a record of two and seven. This year, they're six and one, and they're the four seed in class 5A West. So definitely a huge turnaround, especially when you consider, Blake, that last year the Crusaders tied for the fewest wins in program history in more than 50 years and clearly that was enough to bring in Weston Sharts and get the turnaround started and they absolutely have done so this season. Yeah, that that year was certainly not indicative of the Dan Adelhart era who that, you know, I I I got to know even being I have to give Dan Adelhart a lot of credit because I was the Bishop Carroll 
guy on the radio covering the football games for so many seasons. And he was always very gracious to me, even though I was the holy war, you know, the hated rivals radio guy. Um, he was always very fair with me, always very gracious with his time for pregame and, and statistics before the games. And I, I really liked Dan Adelhart. He had a great run at Cape and Mount Carmel. Uh, I had a, a sub-state run, went, made it to the semifinals. I believe they lost to Blue Valley, something like 2014 or 2015. Just good, you know, had a tough loss to Salina South uh, at Salina back in 2014. Just could never quite get over the hump. And, of course, as you know, as you probably know, um, you know, those Cape and Mount Carmel fans have been waiting for a win in the Holy War for quite some time now. And you bring in Weston Shards, that loss was the only loss that Cape and had this year, just by three points. I do want to point out, just for the record, that their win over Liberal was a one to nothing win. The Redskins had to forfeit that game because they didn't have enough players. I believe that was due to coronavirus. But um, some pretty historic programs that they have played. They Cape and absolutely crushed Garden City. Absolutely obliterated them, fifty six to nothing. They Pittsburgh. Typically, a very strong eastern half of the state school in Class Five A blew them up. 49 to nothing. Blew out Dodge City. 42 to nothing. I question the strength of schedule a little bit. Obviously, with the Greater Wichita Athletic League not fielding a full schedule, Capen and Bishop Carroll kind of breaking off early and deciding that they were going to play, even as USD 259 decided that they were going to to peel back that schedule for the public schools. Not quite as difficult of a schedule as maybe they would have had. Boy, wouldn't you have loved to have seen Capen and Wichita Northwest this year? I'm not sure oh, if they yeah. were scheduled to play, but that would have been a tremendous game. Would have loved to have seen Capen versus Heights or South. But uh, I really respect what Coach Weston Schartz has done. He is destined for the Wichita Sports Hall of Fame, in my opinion. First ballot, automatic. He's going to be in there for his stints at West, Northwest. And, I mean, can you imagine the resume if he can bring a state title home to Capen, a school that had so much history and tradition in football uh, back just decades ago. And if he can get the Crusaders back to the promised land, uh, Weston Schartz is going to go down as an all-timer. Not that he isn't already. Well, the other team in that Holy War that we, you know, you mentioned a couple different times, obviously, is Bishop Carroll. They dominated Aquinas over the weekend. Final score in that game was 35-14. They finished their season at 5-2. and two. Obviously, like you just talked about, both Capen and Bishop Carroll had to go outside the City League to find the majority of their opponents. Obviously, they played each other, but then they went outside the City League, like you just mentioned. Uh, and so, I, you know, as, as good as... A couple of the teams are in the city league, like Wichita Northwest. You know, I know East had a really good or pretty good season this year comparatively. Um, but you'd have to think that for both of these teams, both Capen and Bishop Carroll, that the records that they have going into the playoffs, uh, I think you've got to be pretty proud of those records. I mean, obviously Bishop Carroll is five and two. You know, they played teams outside of who they normally play, and they were able, you know, at least Bishop Carroll was able to come away with that five and two record. Yeah, um, boy, I just have to say, if 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 head coach Steve Martin uh, from Wichita Northwest catches wind of you saying that, he's going to blow you up <laughs> because I know that he is uh, he is ready for the Grizzlies to take their game outside of the city league. But I think that it is a fair point. You know, Wichita Northwest. Now, let's not 
you know, let's not polish off the fact that Wichita Northwest absolutely destroyed the City League this year, well, yeah. winning the title. I mean, they beat, you know, Wichita North by 90. They beat Wichita Southeast by let's, 75. And, you know, they absolutely crushed the City League this year. Only gave up outside of the Heights game. I think they gave up like 20 or so to Heights. Outside of the Heights game, they gave up nine points nine this year right. to the other city league schools that they were allowed to play. Um, and they pretty much have a walkover boy. Uh, I, I mean, you, maybe you don't remember this. I remember when Salina central was a big deal. Salina sure. South is a big deal. I cannot, I can't, my mind from going to school, playing in the old I 70 league, not that I played my school Topeka West played. And now, you know, we're tucking tail and joining the United Kansas such a dumpster fire at Topeka West, I have to say. <laughs> I'm so I'm so disgusted by that whole situation. But you know, when we were playing in the I-70 league, you knew when you were playing Salina Central and Salina South, it was a real game. Those were real programs. And man, Salina, they can't field one good team now, much less two. And they did for years in Salina. It's just incredible to see how far the Mustangs and the Cougars have fallen. Um, so I, I do think that you got to pay some attention to Wichita Northwest. They are more unproven for the reasons that you have stated, but I think they have really good players and they have been close so many years. State runners up last year. I believe that coach Martin is going to break through. He is going to bring a state title back to Wichita Northwest. No disrespect to the 6A schools in Wichita, but I think the best chance for the City League this year is going to be Carroll or Northwest, and and I think you could throw Capen in that mix too. That's the best chance for the City League. Not that there aren't chances for the ABCTL to bring home a state title. That Derby team at 4-2 and two is a little bit underrepped, and we already talked about Mays and, and Hutchinson, but, but don't be sleeping on the Grizzlies. Coach Martin will let you have it if you look over his guys in, in Mays and Blue. Those, those guys are... are are going to be ready to play, I can assure you. Blake, I'm certainly not overlooking, you know, this Northwest at all. My only point was that, you know, obviously it's a little bit different when you're playing teams outside of the City League and you can have records like, you know, both Carroll and Capen uh, had uh, this season. I, I will say, and you mentioned it too, probably the best Four and two team in the history of six A football has got to be Derby, right? I mean, I, I can't think of a, 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 any other example of a better six and or I'm sorry, better four and two team than the Derby Panthers. They obviously took down May South on Friday by a score of forty eight to ten. Let's very quickly get into the brackets, and we'll start with Derby and the six A West bracket. So obviously, Derby is a four seed. That's dangerous, right? I mean, you know, you're talking about uh, a defending state champion from a couple of years ago oh, yeah. in the. Panthers. They've kind of had some difficulties this season. They dealt with COVID for quite a while. Uh, they didn't get to play a home game at all until the final game of the season, and they were finally able to do so. Uh, but they're a four seed. They take on Wichita Southeast, who's a 13 seed. They'll, I think, think should easily get through that. Uh, but if I'm in the in the upper half of that bracket, and Derby's a four seed, like if I'm the number one seed Lawrence, or if I'm you know uh, Topeka, or even if I'm Gardner Egerton, you got the opportunity to potentially face Derby in the second or third round. That's got to be a little disconcerting. Well, I mean, they have shown some mortality this year. They have shown some vulnerability this year. And I mean, I think it's maybe a little naive to think that you can go through all that adversity. You know, you just, it's really hard to do what coach Clark has done there at Derby all these years where you, it's like, well, 
it's pretty much Derby just pencil them in for an undefeated season in the AVCTL. That, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So, you know, maybe it's their time to fall down. I'm with you. Uh, you know, God bless the Golden Buffaloes. And I want the Thundering Herd to be good, but this is not going to be a game. Derby is going to win this one big. Um, I, I, and, you know, that Gardner-Edgerton game, again, I don't see South being able to hang with Gardner-Edgerton at all. Um, you know, I, I think that if you are Lawrence High School, you know, at 7-0, and you are at least thankful that you get them Let's see, it'll be the sectional round when they play them. Um, the sub-state top seed on the other side. Boy, how happy are you if you're Junction City and Wichita East? The Blue Aces are 5-1. and one. Junction City is 6-1. and one. And other than Manhattan, there are no teams with a winning record on that half of the Western 6A bracket. So... Wichita East, we talked about those three schools that I thought would be the best chance to bring home a state title for the City League in 5A. You know, maybe I'm disrespecting Wichita East. because hey, I, I think- was going to say, don't sleep on the Blue Aces. When I probably look, should not. When you look at the bottom half of that bracket, it's- I don't see a team that can beat Wichita East until you maybe get to Junction City in the third round. I, I just I- don't. I totally agree. They're going to get past campus. Um, that second round matchup is not going to be a kind one. Manhattan is a long and proud program, but I mean, let's be honest. You look back at the teams that Manhattan has had, the records that the Indians have had over the years, they do not do it. seems like every single season they have a great team. They choke at some point in the playoffs. I can't yeah. remember the last time the Manhattan even played for a 6A state title, much less won a state title. So, you know, I, I don't I don't have faith in Manhattan to come out of that side of the bracket. I think that it's going to be the, – the teams are going to be Lawrence, Derby, one of those two from the top side, and I've got Junction City and Wichita East. My dad actually can't, kind of keeps track of the Topeka schools because he's up there. He said Junction City's looked really, really good this year. So I think it's going to be the probably the Blue Jays and the Blue Aces – going for the right to go to substate and probably playing the winner of the Chesty Lions or the Derby Panthers. That is a heck of a final four. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm an expert here. I'm picking chalk in high school football. Well, and, I, and so I, I think the big, the most telling thing in all of that is that you're telling me you don't, you don't envision, you don't see when you look at that bracket, any kind of upset in no. the final four, you're looking at the top four seeds being there in this I feel like in this, I know that I said that, oh, this is the most unpredictable, you know, sure. high school football, you know, so what an idiot I am for saying that earlier. But, you know, when I think about teams like Derby and Lawrence, you know, on that half of the bracket, I'm going to, I'm going to pick chalk. Now, will I be shocked if Derby loses in the first round? Yeah, I will be shocked if they lose, but will I be shocked if they lose to Gardner Edgerton? Absolutely not. I do think that they're, you know, you look at some of these teams, though, especially in 6A, I feel like the talent is more evenly distributed in 5A. Like, you know, and, and God bless the Redskins, but is there really any chance that Wichita North is going to lose to Lawrence? No. There's no chance that's going to happen. There's no chance that Southeast is going to be Derby. I, I it, it, won't, it won't happen unless Derby. Another thing to consider, though, the KSHSAA has already said, if you cannot play a game because of coronavirus, you forfeit. Yeah. No makeups, no redos, no do-overs. If you have an outbreak on your team, 
you lose and your season's done. So I certainly hope for all those, all the players uh, that they are able to stay healthy, to stay in the game. And so we can actually get the games played. I would hate for, you know, can you imagine somebody, a Derby senior's career ending oh. because of a coronavirus outbreak? I, I don't even want to think about it. No disrespect at all to the 6A bracket, um, but as you mentioned, the the it kind of seems like the talent is much more evenly distributed in the 5A bracket, oh, absolutely. and I see so many more intriguing matchups, especially in the first round in the Class 5A West bracket. You've got you know your top seed, Wichita Northwest, uh, is there. Capen is a four seed taking on Salina South. Uh, the, I like the, I mean, uh, who who wouldn't like the Goddard and Goddard Eisenhower five twelve matchup in the Which, first by round? By the way, uh, they they have not used this as the name of the rivalry. They need to name the rivalry, and the name needs to be the War on Fifty Four. Oh, that's what, great! Come on, come on! Like now, I'm not totally, uh, I'm not totally original with this. It's a play, of course, on the war on 24, which right. is the big Rossville Silver Lake rivalry from my neck of the woods up in Northeast Kansas. But you know, get a trophy, get somebody in, in the community to cut out like an aluminum 54 road sign and play for it, and keep score on the back. Let's make this happen. Goddard and Goddard Eisenhower war on 54. I'm allowing you to use it royalty free 100% royalty free if you're going to submit that then allow me to submit this rivalry name that literally i just came up with in the last 15 seconds what rivalry when you've got the number two seed hutchinson taking on the number 15 seed newton and you could easily call that the fight on 50 right i mean if if we're talking about highways sure I'm not really sure that's, I mean, it's the two and 15 seed. That's not as intriguing as 512 Newton with the two doesn't Goddard. doesn't quite schools, have but. the football, you know, Goddard and Goddard Eisenhower. That's a local rivalry. People yeah. in Goddard care about that. Newton has not ever really been that good at football. I mean, it's a tough league to come up in, you know, when you think about all the teams in ABCTL Division One and Division Two. those are pretty stacked. The only other uh, main intriguing matchup in the first round that I'm looking at is the Heights-Andover matchup, the 8-9 matchup there. Um, I think those are two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, you know, Heights really doesn't get a lot of attention in the City League, and they're probably a middle-of-the-road City League team. They're not great by any means this season. Uh, and obviously, you think about Northwest and Carroll and Capen and even East a little bit. You don't really think of Heights, but they're not nearly at the level of um, I guess terrible football like South and and North and you know so I I I I like that matchup quite a bit but then you even look a little bit further on in the bracket and there are some pretty interesting potential matchups anything stand out to you? Well, I I think that. Bishop Carroll, we've talked them up a lot, and I think Bishop Carroll should be favored in this game. But, you know, it it would not just absolutely drop me to the floor if the Hornets could keep pace with Bishop Carroll and make that game interesting. Valley Center has been a program that has steadily improved uh, ever since they started playing districts against Bishop Carroll. I want to say that was 2016, 2015, something like that, when they got assigned to the Bishop Carroll district. And I think Caleb, God, their old coach, was it Coach Smith at the time? Uh, He got that program going in the correct direction. And the next coach has come in his last name starts with an L. I can never say his last name right. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna disrespect his family by trying to say his name. I think it's French or something. But he he has done a good job of continuing to build Valley Center, which 
has been, you know, has some history in that Valley Center program. So I think that that, you know, the Hornets could make that a game against Bishop Carroll without a doubt. And then obviously in the second round, as we've talked about already, uh, we are certainly looking forward to that Bishop Carroll Hutchinson rivalry renewal if the uh, South Hawks can get past the Railers, which I think is is very, very probable. Bishop Carroll, by the way, is a seven seed. Uh, I don't think that that has ever happened, uh, not since, certainly not in this decade. Uh, going back to 2010, Bishop Carroll has never been a seven seed on the West side of the bracket. Taking a look at the 4A West bracket, again, some really intriguing matchups. I think uh, Rose Hill takes on Mulvane. I mean, that those two towns are probably 10 minutes apart from each other. Uh, so that matchup will happen in the first Mulvane round. Mulvane at 1-6. Boy, isn't yeah. that switched around? Uh, the Rockets have not been really great since Greg Slade. He took them to a 13-0 yeah, record. Uh, undefeated, they won the state title. But, man, Mulvane not being one of the powers in the western half of 4A is very, very odd this year. The five twelve matchup is Bueller taking on Circle. Uh, you know a little bit about Wellington. They're the seven seed. They're taking on Arkansas City. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Wellington is kind of a sneaky seven, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Wellington, you look at what they have done this year. Um, absolutely brutal brutal schedule when you look at what they have done uh they have a loss against clearwater mm-hmm. uh, and your fighting indians have been pretty good this year yeah. now they they did get absolutely uh annihilated by wichita collegiate and andale but still two of the best teams in class 3a mm-hmm. so not an easy matchup there for wellington um, they lost to Rose Hill, a team that we both respect by eight, and they have a loss to Ulysses this year. Uh, Ulysses just three and five, probably one that Wellington, that the uh, Iron Dukes wish that they had back. Um, but a win over Bueller. Bueller's down this year, just four and three, and then they beat Mulvane to wrap up the season. So uh, nobody. I have I cannot say that I have looked over every single schedule in class 4A but it is hard to imagine that there is a high school out there that has played a more difficult schedule than Wellington has this year and that can prepare you for for the playoffs and you know you look at Wellington they've got Arkansas City that's a winnable game Boy, it's hard to see them going past Andover Central right now, though their only loss was to Valley Center by two, win over Andover. They've beaten both of the Goddard schools. I like the Jaguars coming out of that cluster of four teams in the bracket. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the Jaguars definitely have the advantage. Um, like you say, you know, I, I I think that they end up representing that lower half of the Class 4A bracket. And, and by last- the way, real quick, El Dorado, 4-2. and two. Wow. Yeah. When was the last time the Wildcats were good? Congratulations to El Dorado. I know that they've been trying to turn that program around. Since I got here to Wichita, El Dorado has been in rebuilding mode. So for them to go 4-2 and two this year with a win over Augusta, win over Winfield, congratulations to them. And they get Winfield again in the first round of the playoffs. And El Dorado is the three seed Winfield. Uh, the Vikings are a 14 seed. Last but not least in Class 3A. Uh, and that's kind of where we're going to stop uh, analyzing the brackets is Class 3A. Um, you know, I, I know that there are definitely some first round matchups. But the one that I definitely that I think that I've got my eyes on for sure is a potential rematch 
between the two Indian schools, the Andale Indians and the Clearwater Indians in the second round. Andale takes on Larned in the first round. They should move on pretty easily. Uh, no issues there. And then Clearwater plays Holcomb. I don't know much about Holcomb. I do know Clearwater had a pretty good season, uh, but a potential second round matchup for the Fighting Indians of Clearwater and, of course, the uh, the always dominant Andale Indians. That ought to be fun. Well, and boy, you know, you better not just pencil in Clearwater into the second round because of how the bracket is for 3A on down. It's geographically district-based, yeah. so uh, it's not seeded based on record. And so you've got, you know, the number two out of the district, Holcomb, and Clearwater's number three out of their district. So that's how they match up. And you've got a 7-1 and one Holcomb team against a 6-2 and two Clearwater team. I just hate that. Um, that they have to play that early on when there are other lower ranked and lower record teams available. I feel like it could have been spread out a little bit better. So yeah, a, a tough matchup for Clearwater. That certainly would be a very intriguing matchup in that round of the playoffs. And uh, on the other half of the bracket, boy, you got the undefeated a team we haven't even talked about. I know that we just expect that Andale's just going to run all the way to the state championship, and they and they might, and that's who I would pick, but. Cheney is undefeated. The Cardinals yeah. are undefeated. And that game in the second round, uh, that's they play Halstead and Wichita Collegiate's got Pratt. Boy, the Greenbacks. What happened to them this year at two and three? They're normally a team you talk about in sectionals, regionals of state all the time. Um, that second round potential matchup between Cheney and Wichita Collegiate, that could be an extremely tantalizing matchup on the Western half. So I think 3A, 3A might have the best matchups of the, the classes that we have covered. I know that we talked about 5A and 4A, but those two second round matchups in 3A, assuming the teams get there, those will be extremely exciting matchups for fans here in South Central Kansas. Yeah, I always know, like when, when I was in high school in Clearwater, uh, you know, we, we were not very good, but, you know, obviously we would play, uh, you know, usually in the first round of the playoffs and get knocked out and the season would be done. But it was always really interesting because it was always like, Clearwater had to drive four hours out to Western Kansas, <laughs> you know, to lose by 40 and then drive right. four hours back. And so it was, it, you know, when you would look at, all right, who are, who are we playing? We're playing Ulysses or oh, we're playing Holcomb. <laughs> you know, you just didn't really know much about them when right. the class is above you, you know, more than likely you're playing schools that maybe they're, you know, maybe they're two hours away. Like if you're going up to the Salina area or something like that. But really, when you start to get into Class 3A, especially, is when you start to see those really long road trips, uh, just the way geographically it's set up. But uh, no, I, I agree with you. Those second round matchups in Class 3A or uh, potential ones are going to be uh, interesting to keep an eye on for sure. Any final thoughts on the brackets before we move on? Uh, no, not not particularly. Um, I, I'm Like I said before, just really happy that we're going to have uh, – postseason football hope that all the teams stay safe and most of all i hope topeka high loses in the first round <laughs> dodge yeah, city I, could blow them out by 75 i would appreciate it. i'd even buy a dodge city if dodge city blows out topeka high 
by 70 or more points, I will buy a Dodge City Red Demon shirt and I will wear it on the next the next show that I fill in on, which I know may not be for a while, may not be till next year, but I will buy a Dodge City shirt and I will wear it on the show if they beat Topeka High by 70. That would make my year probably. Well, if that happens, we'll make sure to give you a shout out if we mention it Good. Uh, on the program. That is our top story, breaking down the brackets uh, in the Wichita Metro prep football scene for sure. Let's get in to some Kansas City Chiefs football. On Sunday, the Chiefs traveled to Denver. They took on the Broncos in the snow. It wasn't quite as snowy as their last matchup in Kansas City uh, last season, but there was some snow on the ground, brutally cold conditions in Denver, but that didn't really matter because the Broncos took a beating from Kansas City from a fi- by a final score of 43-16. to 16. And before we start breaking down uh, the game, I was going to save this for the finally funny. I was going to mention it at the very end because it's just so laughable, but I don't think I can wait, Blake. Sure, go um, for it. I, and it is in, in reference to the Chiefs game. Did you happen to hear what Garrett Bowles who's the left tackle for the Broncos said following the game. Did you happen to hear about this? No, I am not familiar with this. So keep in mind, this is after the game. This is after the Chiefs beat the Broncos 43 to 16. Garrett Bowles, left tackle for the Broncos, was asked the question on what he thinks, in his opinion, separates the Broncos from the Chiefs. And this was his quote, and I quote, I think we're neck and neck. There's more. I think we're neck and neck, but that's just me personally. I don't think there's anything that makes them more spectacular than us. Really? End quote, end quote from Garrett Bowles after the Broncos are thumped at home by the Chiefs. 43 to 16. Well, Your first thoughts on that game, Blake. Well, let me let me suggest that maybe the reason that you're not as good as Kansas City might have to do with the fact that through uh one less game, you have scored 92 fewer points than Kansas City has this year. Maybe that that might be a, a suggestion that I would have as to what separates the two teams. Maybe it might be number 15 in red and gold. Uh, you know, do you have a Patrick Mahomes on your team? Because uh, I, I don't see where it is. Denver is trash offensively. They are no good offensively at all. The Chiefs weren't even threatened in this game. And, and the the sad thing is, the Chiefs won this game 43-16. They dominated this game. The Chiefs didn't convert on third down. They had no third down conversions. Do you know how bad your team has to be for you to get blowed out, absolutely assassinated, and you they didn't convert a third down? Are you kidding me? So what are you talking about, how the teams are neck and neck? Your offense is terrible. How about you try blocking somebody for a change? What are you – what an – asinine comment that is (laughs) Patrick Mahomes has more career wins in Denver than Drew Locke does and Drew Locke is the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos this was the Chiefs 10th straight victory over Denver they're outscoring the Broncos by a score of 301 to 164 301 to 164 
Obviously, the Chiefs are in first place with a six and one record. Denver is two and four. They're tied for last place. They've won their last three games against Denver by at least three possessions. None of these games have even been close. And since 2015, the Chiefs own a division record of 29 and four. 29 and four. The West. The Broncos, their division record is 13 and 18 since 2015. The last time they had a division record above 500 was in 2015 with Peyton Manning at quarterback. So, yeah, there are some verifiable facts (laughs) as to why the Chiefs are completely separated from the Denver Broncos. Just don't tell that to Garrett Bowles. Yeah, what, what an idiotic comment. It is nice to see once again, I I was a little bit frustrated by the inability for the Chiefs to get more points on third down. I thought that they did leave some some points on the field. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a drop on a pass that should have been caught to pull us off a touchdown. But, you know, the, the team, the overall team is so much more than last year what it was, which was basically, okay, it's the offense and the defense does have some big playmakers on it, but for the Chiefs to just play much more complimentary football and and get contributions from more people, Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had another great game for Kansas City. It's going to be very interesting to see. I'm very intrigued now that uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be brought into the fold, bring him into the backfield, how Eric Bieniemy is going to maintain the offense. Andy Reid going to be dialing up new plays. Will they play together? And, and I'm interested to see how Eric Bieniemy calls the offense if he changes his calls now that he's got Bell, who – is obviously a much, much different running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is obviously very slippery, very low to the ground, whereas Bell, I think, has the ability to run over and run through people a lot more. So two very different weapons for Patrick Mahomes. How will they be used moving forward for Kansas City, I think, is the number one question that I have. And the good thing is, it would appear that Kansas City is going to have some ample opportunities to test out the new offense because, boy, if you thought Denver was bad, oh my gosh, the Jets are, they stink. They are terrible. So uh, a perfect scenario for the Chiefs to get a brand new toy and they get to test it out against one of the worst teams in the league. The Jets have scored 85 points in seven games. They are bad. They're very bad. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what the Chiefs can do to the Jets. I've got a, uh, a brand new New York Jets cheer ready to go. Uh, that I've been I've been practicing for quite a while. Really, um, you know. So obviously, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar, and I'm sure our listeners are familiar with what the iconic Jets chant is, right? Yeah, J E T S Jets. Right. Jets. How about C R A P? Crap, crap, crap. <laughs> because I think I could I could cheer that all day, every day. Yeah, it's going to be. It should be an absolute massacre. They're the uh, only the team Jets. in the NFL that has not scored a hundred points to this point, the jets are, and by the way, going back to your boy, Mr. Broncos, uh, third worst offense in the league, third worst, a hundred, the 116 points. Well, only because you brought him up, not because you actually like him. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, the Jets. I don't are- appreciate you calling Garrett Bowles <laughs> from the Broncos my guy. <laughs> Your boy, yeah, he, yeah, he, he's terrible. And the the Broncos also have one of the. Yeah, they've given up 153. They're, they're bad. P- minus 37 differential. But the Jets, the Jets are so much more demonstrably worse than every other team in the NFL. Their differential, the next highest differential is Jacksonville at minus 66. The Jets are minus 118 on point differential. It is incredible how bad the Jets are. Um, it's a topsy-turvy world in the AFC East. Look it up at the Buffalo Bills at 5-2. and two. The Bills back in charge of that division. Doesn't that bring up nightmares of Jim Kelly and, oh, God, Thurman Thomas running through Kansas City, blowing up Andre Joe Montana? Andre Reid. Oh, God. How many nightmares have I had over Andre Reid over the years? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, the the Jets are so bad. that This is the Chiefs by – I know we're not there yet. Chiefs by 30. <laughs> Chiefs by 30 on Sunday. I know a lot of people are really intrigued about, you know, Le'Veon Bell – playing against his old team and his old coach and Adam Gase. Um, and I, I said it on this program a week ago. I'll say it again. They don't even need to suit up Clyde Edwards Elair on Sunday. <laughs> no, really. Just just give the ball to Le'Veon because he's got a mission to accomplish. And I, I think he certainly will. Um, but I also think that it's going to be an interesting matchup because I'm sure that Eric Bieniemy will be on the sideline taking stock of probably what will be his future team as being the head coach of next season. I mean, I I just I'm just saying, wouldn't shock me. Do you me really want it, if I mean, Eric you're Bien-Aimé, him? Do you really want to? It's like somebody if somebody offered you a a can of garbage of rotten pizza. <laughs> It's like, do you really want that? I mean, yeah, they're going to pay you piles it's a head coach of money. Job. It's a head coach job in the Big Apple. I mean, come on. Like, it, I don't know. I, I have no idea if he would take it. I've heard people say he could be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the, um, the, the New York Knicks is also a head coaching job in a major market in the NBA. How are the Knicks doing so far? How true. has that been going for the last true. couple of decades? I, I do want to say, going back to the game against the Broncos for Kansas City, it was it, you and you touched on it a little bit too about complimentary football, about all phases of the game working for Kansas City. I think the biggest difference, and I heard somebody say this a couple of days ago, so I can't take credit for this, but I thought it was really profound. I don't remember who said it, but basically the difference between the Chiefs last season and this season uh, is that last season, the Chiefs were Patrick Mahomes. They were they were Patrick Mahomes. This season, they're a football team that has Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. Oh. They, there are there are so many other assets that this team has, and that's what, I think that's what Pat wanted, right? They he wanted obviously he got that huge contract, but it was incredibly important for him for Brett Veach and Andy Reid to bring in guys to complement him, his supporting cast, a strong defense, weapons uh, that are skill players, uh, special teams. By the way, huge shout out to former Butler Grizzly and Kansas State Wildcat Byron Pringle over the weekend for his return touchdown. Oh, huge. Uh, huge. And, and you know, you don't see him a whole awful lot on the field. I think he's like the fifth receiver on the depth chart, but he makes his mark on special teams and he sure did against the Broncos. Um just like you said, complimentary football is the is the way to say it and and it's important because I would argue that the Chiefs have played overall, uh, and especially offensively, 
kind of mediocre football for the last several weeks, right? Their defense has showed out for a couple of games. They've had some strong offensive showings early on. I think of the Texas game to open, Texans game to open the season, the Ravens game, they played well offensively, but it's kind of been okay, not great other than that, but they've got so many other weapons to win games. They're basically daring these other teams to pick their poison and the Chiefs are going to do what they need to do to win the game. I mean, you look at the Buffalo game, they ran for like 250 yards on the ground. Uh, This last game against the Broncos, it was special teams. I think the Jets game will be a blowout, but just it it shows just how versatile and, and just strong all assets of the game are for Kansas City. Well, and you look at one of the better games that the Chiefs have had this year was against the Raiders, and they lost that yeah. game. They scored 32 points in games in which Patrick Mahomes has thrown for under 250 yards, and there are already four of them this year. Chiefs are 4-0. and Chiefs are 4-0 and in those yep. games. I would have never guessed that Kansas City could win like they are winning, you know, and beating some quality teams. Not that Denver fits into that, but, you know, a win over Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes only throws for 225. He only threw for 211 in the win over Houston. So, you know, he's got the capability to go for 350 like he did against Baltimore. But I like the fact that the Chiefs are finding ways to win without it being Patrick Mahomes or bust. And they are going to continue to do that, even though he may pass for 6,000 yards against New York because they the, the Jets will have no resistance to what Kansas City is doing on, on Sunday. So he can start to pad the touchdown numbers a little bit and keep that touchdown streak going. So you say Chiefs by 30, 30 right, against uh, New York? Zero. I say yeah. Chiefs by 35. Sure. Uh, I think it's going to be a blowout. It doesn't really matter one way or another. Uh, the, the Chiefs should get the easy victory against the Jets, although I'm sure there's no such thing as an easy victory in the NFL. But uh, as close to that as possible against the Jets on Sunday, and then they take on the Panthers. Uh, who are a mediocre football team at best. Uh, so again, not the hardest stretch of schedule for Kansas City right now. Without before Christian McCaffrey right. really changes what they can do offensively. Yep. And then, of course, the Chiefs go on by after that. And we're looking at a, a Kansas City team that they've got some injuries going on right now. Like you think offensively, Sammy Watkins has been out for the last couple of right. weeks. Uh, he probably won't play against the Jets. So uh, I think, you know, having kind of an easier stretch and then a bye week allows Kansas City to get healthy for the final stretch of the regular season. Can't believe that we're getting close to that, but uh, it's almost winter football season in the NFL. So uh, definitely interesting there for sure, but should be an easy win for Kansas City on Sunday. Blake, I know how excited you are for our next topic and how you've been waiting to talk about this for so long because it's your favorite topic in the world. We're talking about the Sunflower Showdown, KU and K-State in much heralded action over the weekend. I'm exaggerating it quite a bit because we knew it was going to be a blowout. It absolutely was a blowout. We talked about how good the special teams were for Kansas City, uh, for the Chiefs on Sunday. They were even better for the Wildcats. Kansas State could do whatever they wanted in special teams against the Jayhawks on Saturday in Manhattan. Final score of that game, Wildcats 55, Jayhawks 14. Actually, I think it was closer than what I thought it was going to be. I don't exactly remember what I said, um, but uh, it was, I mean, I, I know I say 55. Did I say 35, 40? I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember exactly what you said, but I, I think you I said, thir- I think you said 38. Okay. I believe. I think I said 35 and you said 38, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the final score was 55 14. Wildcats take down 
the Jayhawks. Uh, I guess my first question is, did you watch the game? I watched the first half. Okay. I, the, I, I, you know, there's only so much that I can take. You know, I, I think there's only so much that the uh, American Council on Psychology would recommend <laughs> in order to keep yourself. You know, depression is a real issue, especially in these times of of separation. And I don't think watching KU football by yourself is is it's not the smart thing to do. So I watched the first half and you know that absolute abomination of the last five minutes. I've never seen a team like I tweeted out I did not know that KU was gonna get blown out on special teams and that's the reason that we would lose by 40 points. But here we are KU finding a way to absolutely get run out the building on special teams. This was a 13-point game with two minutes left in the first half. And KU had acquitted themselves fairly well. Defensively, had accomplished some good things against Kansas State. We saw Jalen Daniels come in. The offense, I I think that they kind of oversold the offense a little bit. KU, I mean... How good of an offense can you have when you only score 14 points in college football? But there were some bright spots. I liked what I saw out of Jalen Daniels. You could go into the half and say, okay, you know what? 13-point game, this is fine. We weren't going to beat Kansas State anyway. We're going to lose by 30, but this is respectable. And then you give up two scores in approximately the amount of time that it takes you to grill a grilled cheese sandwich. And all of a sudden, this ball game is over, and there is no hope. I, I just cannot believe how bad the special teams were. And, you know, we were criticizing some media members. I love Brandon McAnderson. I love him. Yeah. Hero of mine, number 35, huge part of the Mark Mangino era at KU. He's doing the sidelines this year on the Jayhawk Radio Network. Those post-game questions for Les Miles – Come on, man. I know you're getting paid by the university. He wants to ingratiate himself with the coaches. I understand. But it's like, don't ask the coach after you got after the team loses by 41. Don't ask the coach or 31, whatever it was. Yeah, no, it was 41. Don't ask the coach about how good certain things looked. How good could they have possibly been in a 55-14 loss? Okay, you know, don't just just stop with all the sugar coating and all this garbage. I'm I'm kind of tired of that. I really am. When are you going to take the next step and look at where you actually are and not what you hope it's? Yeah, Jalen Daniels was great. Yeah, the defense did play well at times. Whatever. You lost by 41. You lost by 41. Sweep that stuff under the rug and tell me when is it going to get better? Please, because that was some of the worst special teams in the history of college football, certainly at KU. So bad and just gave themselves no chance to win. You you almost knew when that punt go went off with five seconds left in the first half, you knew like, oh, Kansas State is going to try to take this back to the house. You just knew it was going to well, happen, and, wanna, and there it was. You want to know when KU football is going to put it together. If you talk to them. If you talk to Les Miles, he says as soon as maybe this Saturday. Oh, my and, gosh. And I know that I, I – and this is one of my favorite things to do on this show when you're on it is I like to read quotes. I did oh, it earlier God. in this show. And then I like to get your response on it. Uh, and so I, I think it might have been one of those softball questions from Brandon McAnderson. 
But this is Les Miles' quote. I'd like to read it to you, if I may. Oh, go ahead. And I quote, we're a good football team. There's, <laughs> no, you're not. There's more. We're a good football team. We've got talent, good coaches. We are going to put it together. When you see glimpses of how it's run, where it looks extremely functional and efficient, you can see the guys. Mason Fairchild made a great series of catches. He's a young sophomore. That's just an example. I think we're at a time frame where we're a little nicked at the perimeter. When we get healthy, I think that somebody... I'm sorry, I lost it. I think that somebody will find a very talented team that is ready to play and that hopefully and that is hopefully this Saturday we're about to play. So if you talk to Les Miles, he's telling you that really the the reason is that they're a little bit nicked at the perimeter. Oh yeah, that's why. Other than that, when they get healthy, they're a really good football team uh and they are probably going to put it together this weekend. Your thoughts on that? Uh, really? So they're being nicked on on the perimeter. Is is that the reason? So is that going to get KU to convert better than one out of every five third downs? Is that's going to make up the difference? Really? Is that going to make up the difference for KU only averaging three yards a carry? Is that going to make a difference? Because I don't think it is. Uh, the the chief, huh, KU has. Nine fewer touchdowns passing. Three passing touchdowns the whole season. You're telling me that the wide receivers are going to make up this difference? They're averaging two yards per play less than their opponents. So what are you? They, they've been outscored in the first half, one hundred and twenty-seven to twenty-seven. And you're telling me that wide receivers are going to make up a hundred first half points? Come on, Les. I mean, I want your team to be good. I want to love your team. I want to cheer for your team. I want your team to have success. When I wear my KU stuff out on Saturday, my Kansas football shirt, I want people to look at me and say, you know what? There's a guy that respects his program. Not, man, what the hell is that guy doing with that shirt on? I, I want this. Don't tell me how close we are. Iowa State's going to cream KU by 30 this weekend. What are you talking about? We're this close. What games are you looking at? And despite all that, despite all of that, you know, you, you look at you look at what KU has this year. You, you think Velton Gardner? Velton Gardner is going to be the guy, really? You think without Puka Williams, we're going to be putting up some numbers against anybody? Come on, Les. I I will say I we like won't even talk Daniels. about the fact. We won't even talk about the fact that Les Miles says that Puka told him that he will be back in January to play another season. If Les Miles believes that, right. I've got oceanfront property in Arizona to sell him. That's never if going he, to if happen. He does, if Puka Williams does that, they should put him on the Ring of Honor. Yeah, because he will be the most selfless Jayhawk in the history of Kansas football. There is no reason for Puka to come back. He doesn't owe, let me be clear. I mean, he was recruited by Beatty, wasn't he? He doesn't owe KU one more yard. He doesn't owe KU one more second of his time. We have wasted two years of Puka Williams, two and a half if you count this year, we don't Puka doesn't owe us anything. We owe Puka a debt of gratitude for the ex, exciting plays and for the fact that he was able to throw a mirage on this dumpster of 
garbage that we call Kansas football and actually make us feel like we were watching a real football team at times because that's all it was. It was a poo- it was an oasis where Puka Williams was the king, and that's it. Okay. Well, and here's Puka the other thing too. Anything. The the other thing too is that you know y- you mentioned this last week on the show, and I wholeheartedly agree with you about how. You should never boo the players themselves, especially no, in the college ranks. Not even We're, not even as bad as this team. Right. Is. Totally agree with you. You got to look at the coaches at this level. You have to start 100%. looking at them. And when you look at special teams, you talked about it at length. KU, I'm just going to flat out say it, shit the bed uh, in, in that game. And, and, and that is... You look at the coaching for that. Why in the world are you kicking the ball to Phillip Brooks? Why are you punting to him when he's already burned you and he goes and does it again? He was running circles around the Jayhawks. Stop punting him the ball. And that's clearly a call from the sideline. You know, there was or or a lack of a call of, hey, we need you to punt it away from him. Like, I know KU had punter issues and they were switching back and forth, you know, due to injuries from a couple different guys, but that's, that's inexcusable. I watched a majority of this game and I I saw the same thing with Les Miles that I've seen all season long. And what I saw for a majority of last season, you see a coach that looks lost out there. He looks confused out there. He looks inept out there. That's sad because Les Miles is a national championship winning coach. Les Miles is a Hall of Fame coach. Les Miles is a, a heralded coach, a legendary coach. He looks like a shell of him for, of his former self on the sideline. On the flip side of that, and, and we can debate that another time, but on the flip side of that, it was so telling to me when you look at Chris Kleiman on the sideline for K-State. Dynamic, involved, passionate, you know, uh, supportive. Um, you know, he he was in the moment. He was coaching his team as hard as he could. Adjustments. It's the, it's Adjustments. The, it's the Sunflower Showdown at home. I know this, the situation is different because of COVID, and it wasn't like Bill Snyder Family Stadium was packed to the gills, but he was still playing in front or coaching in front of his fans, his program's passionate fans, and you could feel it. And you, you've not been able to feel that with less miles at all. Hats off to the Wildcats. We've spent all this time talking about how bad KU is when yeah. really we should be focusing our time. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I'm not talking about KU the rest of this show. Right. Uh, Deuce we, Vaughn is oh a tremendous God. player. 81 yards through the air, 74 on the ground. He lost three, but he had a touchdown. I, I think Will Howard is playing fairly solid football right now. For Will Howard, I think what Kansas State fans want is, you know, they want to see, can he go down the field? Can he make that throw down the field like a Colin Klein could? You know, because Colin Klein, I think, was a predominant run guy, but he had accuracy down the field. He can stretch the field. And maybe Howard is not quite ready to do that. I think that's the next step in the evolution of his game. You know, Howard did have two completions of over 36 yards in this game. 36-yarder to Vaughn, I think he had a 37-yarder to Taylor, I believe. Yeah. Uh, had a very good completion percentage. Kansas State, I thought, played very well defensively. Uh, I really like to see uh, Wyatt Hubert uh, up there on the front line for Kansas State. Six tackles for loss for the Wildcats. And, you know, running the football for KU was basically non-existent. They averaged 
2.9 yards per carry, which I don't think is necessarily all on Velton Gardner, by the way. Right. You know, I, I, the blocking was not particularly good. Uh, KU had to get a little bit predictable because they got out of the game so fast. And, and we already went through the special teams numbers, which were absolutely incredible, uh, you know, in terms of the returns for Kansas State. Punt return average for Kansas State, four punt returns for 189 yards, I thought 47 you yards per return. I thought you said you weren't going to talk about KU anymore on this no, show. I'm talking really about the punt returns for Kansas State. 47.2 average punt return for the Wildcats. I think somebody – I was listening to the broadcast. I was. I should have – I. Sh- you know, God bless Brian Haney. Love you, Brian. Um, but I love Wyatt Thompson too, even though I'm a KU guy. I should have listened to Wyatt Thompson's broadcast uh, because I think that Brian said on the Jayhawk broadcast that Kansas State over the last 15 years, I think they lead the country in special teams touchdowns. That was always a Bill Snyder staple with his son coaching the special teams. Yeah. And Coach Kleiman obviously has kept that up. They don't have a special teams coordinator at Kansas State. They have the position coaches all have a piece of right. coaching the special teams, and it shows. They've That's got why a, lot of call, why a lot of people call K-State special teams you. They really you know, are now. Les Miles, I, I hate. I'm going to say one more quote from him uh, to that to that oh, I point. Can't wait. He said, and I quote: "There were a couple of returns that were just unbelievable. It looked like the floodgates had opened, and suddenly everybody that had a ball punted to them was going to score. Then stop punting the ball to them. Punt it out of bounds. But Maybe. there was never there was never an adjustment. The bottom line is that." When you look at next week, the Wildcats should can uh, continue to stay undefeated in the Big 12. They travel to West Virginia. The, the Mountaineers are down this year, uh, so wouldn't be surprised to see the Wildcats move to 5-0 and undefeated. No, in they the should Big be 12. West Virginia. And there's not a chance that the Jayhawks win this weekend against Iowa State at home, and no. they'll stay winless in the Big 12. So really nothing changing between the gap uh, between the Wildcats and the Jayhawks next week. Uh, but it was so telling uh, during that game in Manhattan about how different these programs are and how one is clearly uh, ascending and the other one is, I think, still looking for the bottom. Every time you think it can't get any worse – it absolutely does, which is a shame for sure. Let's go ahead and transition away from the Sunflower Showdown because if we talk about it anymore, I'm going to literally throw up. One, uh, one well, real quick thing, though, because I do want to talk about Kansas. Throw up. I'm, throw I'm not up. talking about the Sunflower Showdown. I'm talking about Kansas State. You asked me a few weeks ago if I was in on Kansas State right yeah. now. Do you look at Kansas State? 4-0. They're in first place. Kansas yeah. State has a real chance to run the table in the Big 12. They have, they've got West Virginia. Then obviously the toughest test is going to be Oklahoma State and Iowa State back-to-back games. I think that Farmageddon game might very well decide the Big 12 championship. Baylor, don't have any faith in them. And Texas, you who knows what Texas team is going to show up week to week. The Longhorns, after being a top 25 team, such a disappointing. Is there a more underperforming football team in the country than Texas year in and year no. out? They're always hyped up. Like, oh, the Longhorns are going to be back. Stop showing me this. Put this away. The Texas it has not been relevant since Mac Brown was there and Vince was dancing over the pylon. Texas 
you Texas gives you so much more than any other team before conference play starts. I'm sick of hearing about Texas. They're the Dallas Cowboys of they the are. college ranks. They're 1,000% in that way. It's all hype that there's no substance, and that's the way uh, it always is. But Let's Kansas State in. is for real. They yes. have a very real shot right now to win the Big 12 and win out. I do think they beat West Virginia. So in two weeks, when they play Oklahoma State and Iowa State back-to-back games, that is a huge – those are going to be massive, massive games for the fans in Manhattan. Let's talk college basketball for KU and K-State very briefly. The Big 12 released their schedule in the last 24 hours from us recording this program. The one thing about college basketball scheduling is that – just when you think that things are settled, it all gets switched up again. So there could very easily be additional changes as we continue to go on. The first thing that is not schedule related at all, but is worth mentioning is that at least at Allen Fieldhouse, it has been announced that 1,500 fans will be allowed to attend home basketball games for the Jayhawks. You'd have to think that, you know, 1,500 whittled down from 16,300. Um, that probably changes home court advantage a little bit for the Jayhawks, right? Oh, I mean, what a crappy way to lose your sellout streak yeah. in the middle of, you know, God, I don't know how many games it's been, over 300, I think. What a terrible way to lose the sellout streak to coronavirus. Yep. You know, to not have 16,300 in there, it'll be like a women's basketball game. At, at least we get games. At least we, at least we get games. I agree. At least it's better than not having the games at yep. all, but it will be odd and you know all i can say is if you're going you need to cheer as loud as the other 15,900 no it'd be 1,500 are going so it should be what like 14,800 you better make up for them okay because just because they're not there and i think bill self had a good quote he said you know we didn't just win because we had the best building or the most fans we won because we have pretty good players right and you know that's not going to be different i think this is still going to be a very exciting ku team but yeah if you are lucky enough that you get to go as a student or a fan if you're not ready to bring it with your voice, then stay home and let somebody else take your seat, okay? Because obviously, you know, I think KU could probably sell out a 20,000 seats, you know, whenever we have to tear mm-hmm. down Allen Fieldhouse and rebuild, you know, maybe Bill Self wins a few more championships and we're building Bill Self Fieldhouse, you know, there are going to be 20,000 people who will buy up season tickets. So feel lucky that you have the privilege in order to, to go out there, cheer for the Crimson and Blue, and, and like you said, very thankful that I know that the Kansas State, Wichita State fans are all very thankful that you know they're going to get a season of some of some form. It would appear. So huge scheduling news for the Jayhawks that broke just a few hours ago from John Rothstein that Fort Myers has emerged as a location to host a multi-team event to kick off the season. The Jayhawks are confirmed according to sources as a participant in that multi-team event. And according to these sources, they will play Gonzaga on the 25th of November is the 25th Thanksgiving day. It's right around Thanksgiving. I don't, it might be the day after, but it's, I don't have my calendar in front the of me. 25th but, is Wednesday. That'll okay. be the day before, so the day Thanksgiving. before Thanksgiving. So uh, according to these sources, they will play Gonzaga to kick off the season the day before Thanksgiving. That is a massive matchup to kick oh, off the yeah. season with Kansas and Gonzaga. Um, so that's kind of where that stands. And then, uh, but that has not yet been announced by the university uh, just by sources 
But then you follow that up with the Champions Classic, which looks like it is still a go. uh, Wherever it is. Wherever it's going to be. And as of right now, KU is scheduled to take on Kentucky on December 1st at a site yet to be determined. We're not, we don't have time to get into the, uh, the, the circus that is ESPN and the bubble that they were going to do. And now they're not going to do it. And now the whole thing is in limbo. We're not going to, we don't have time to get into that. Who knows? But the bottom line is that it looks like the champions classic will continue to be played against Kentucky on December 1st. So the Jayhawks could conceivably start the season with Gonzaga and Kentucky in about a week span with one another. A couple huge non-conference matchups to start the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to find out a lot uh, about your team very early. I mean, obviously, you go back to last year and, and playing that game early on. It will be different this year because normally – KU does get those two MIAA exhibition games. Last year, they played Fort Hayes State and Pittsburgh State, and then you know lost to Duke by two when they committed well, like a, a program record, like thirty-seven turnovers in that game. Um, so you know, it, results may vary very early on, but I mean, obviously. Playing that game against Duke, I mean, they went twenty-eight and three. They went yeah. seventeen and one in the Big Twelve. It doesn't, you know. I, I don't want. I never like hearing from these people. Oh, if you play that early, it can damage your team's confidence. If you got a good team, they're going to bounce back. Right. And I think that you, if you play strong opponents like KU does each and every year, they then went to Maui, won the championship over a damn good Dayton team last yeah. year. Outstanding, probably Obi the Tauken best. Is one of the best was one of the best college basketball players I've seen in a long time. That Dayton team, I was I watched that whole game because that was around Thanksgiving, and I was home for the holiday. I watched that team. I'm like, this is not a mid mid major program. This right. is every bit as good as Wichita State has been. Every bit as good as Gonzaga has been. As Villanova has been. This is just as good as Kentucky. These guys could be Duke. Period. Yeah. That was you play teams like that. Even if you don't come out on top, it helps you, and it helped that team last year. They had confidence. They played extremely well down the stretch of the season. Won the Big Twelve championship regular season and in the conference tournament. Obviously, did didn't ever get to finish that. But um, you know, for for KU, play those hard games early. Schedule is as difficult as your team can handle. It helps you down the stretch. A hundred percent. That's those are not the only tough non-conference opponents that are on the schedule right now. KU's also scheduled to play Creighton. Creighton could easily be a top 10 team as we get into yeah. next season. So that's a huge matchup as well at Allen Fieldhouse. North Dakota State is on the schedule. Omaha and Tarleton State as well before the, the Jayhawks get into Big 12 play. Right now, it looks like the Big 12 schedule will kick off in December, which will be a little bit uh, different, a little bit interesting to see a couple of conference games before Christmas. Then K-State, on the other hand, they are going to be kicking off the inaugural Little Apple Classic where they'll play Drake and Colorado around Thanksgiving as well on the 25th and the 27th. Uh, And they're also going to be hosting UMKC, UNLV, and Milwaukee before they get into their non-conference schedule as well. Any thoughts on the Wildcats releasing their schedule? I know this brand new Little Apple Classic is set to replace what they were planning on doing originally. Um, and so they were able to get Colorado and Drake to come to Manhattan. Well, I, I mean, 
I think Kansas State fans will like to see that historic Kansas State matchup, but there's a lot for this Kansas State team that we don't know about. We we talked about you know Kansas State and or KU and and what you're going to have. I think for Kansas State, uh, there's a lot of unknowns that that they have got to work through, and I think that the lack of an exhibition, you know, might hurt them a little bit more than it will hurt an established program like Kansas. You look at at Kansas State right now and their roster, you know, their number one scorer, uh, Sneed, he's gone off an 11 and 21 team. Diara, he's gone off of last year's team. That's 27 points per game and a lion's share of the shots. They, those are the top two field goal attempted last year. The overwhelming uh, plurality of their three-pointers, they combined to shoot about 200, uh, let's see, by 350 of their 681 three-pointers. They combined to shoot about 280 of their 600 free throws. You, you are deleting a ton of their offense. The, and, and also with with uh, Cartier Giara, a guy who handled the ball the predominant amount for them. He had 134 assists for them out of the 397, and Snead had 54 assists. So for Kansas State, from an offensive perspective, they are completely rebuilding. They're also the two guys that had the most steals. They combined for 50 – they had 58 steals apiece. So – a huge unknown for Kansas State right now. Uh, but to, terms- to, to Bruce Weber's credit, though, he has compiled his best recruiting class since he's been in Manhattan. I know these you know, incoming freshmen are going to be young. Uh, they're going to be untested, um, especially in today's world. It's kind of an unknown. Uh, but to his credit, he has compiled a pretty good recruiting class to come in and try to eventually replace those guys. Yeah, they're down their top three scores. They're down their leading rebounder, and in fact, uh, their three leading rebounders are all the all the same guys. So for Bruce Weber, uh, you know, it's going to be a trial by fire, and, and probably okay that they're not playing the type of schedule that KU is. Quite frankly, the Wildcats aren't ready for that that kind of a schedule. So uh, it, it, for for Kansas State fans, I feel like this may be a little bit of a bumpy road, and. It's always weird because it, it does seem like the seat for Bruce Weber at Kansas State, whether a, whether fair or not, is always a little bit warm. Doesn't it seem like that? Oh, and yeah. Well, and people- I would say that without this recruiting class that he's got coming in, I think the seat would be a lot hotter after the 11-21 and 21, uh, record last season. But I, I feel that- like... Does he get any more heat this season because of all the uncertainty? We could ask the similar question of Les Miles at KU because I think Jeff Long had said, well, you know, we're not judging it by this year. You know, it's a weird year, coronavirus. Do you think Bruce Weber could be in a similar situation, not being judged at all based on all of the extenuating circumstances? I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because they already had a pretty abysmal year last season and they didn't they didn't make a change. And I think with all the extenuating circumstances, I think you can blame it on COVID-19. I think you can blame it on uh, a young squad. Uh, I think you can blame it on losing the top three scores. You know, let's let's let this group gel a little bit. I think 
this season he's okay, but next season, if there isn't marked improvement, it might be a little bit different for, for Bruce Weber. But, you know, again, so much is unknown with everybody and you know who knows if these schedules will even be accurate 24 right. hours from now i mean there's well, there's really there's really no way to tell and and you know looking at wichita state right now i mean the shockers don't even have a schedule posted yet yeah for, for 20 we're still waiting and obviously you know in a future week i know that you and west will be breaking that down when the well, shocker schedule shockers, is may, shockers may not even have a coach you know and leading we up the season we don't know possible. that either we don't I mean, know for sure we didn't even but, talk about that on this program because there's really nothing new to talk about. Yeah, but nothing to talk we're, about. But we're still we're a couple weeks we're about three weeks you know past the original uh, article coming out, and there's still no decision that's been made. So that is kind of lingering as well. It's kind of in limbo. There's just a whole lot going on that we don't know about. And I would say that in a future episode, and maybe it's an episode we can have you back on, uh, where we can commit a good amount of time once we know in stone the schedules for the teams we can do a college basketball preview around the state and, sure. and talk, talk quite a bit about that for uh, all three of the d1 programs in the state of kansas before we get out of here we do have our, our very quick wichita whip around we were going to talk a lot more in depth about uh, newman and the miaa we are running low on time it always seems to happen that way um but is there anything uh pressing in the world of newman that you you want to talk about here in the next five minutes or so well, I know that one thing, Newman does have a start date for their schedule. It's been pushed back one day. It's November 19th, and the Jets are going to be opening up at home against Pittsburgh State, 5.30 p.m. for the Newman women hosting a, a very talented Pittsburgh State team. Just talk to Darren Spence on the JetCast, which will be dropping the same day that this podcast drops. It'll be dropping at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, October 28th. Uh, you You'll be hearing from Riley Malloy. You can get that newmanjets.com slash podcast, by the way, just to plug that. Um, but you'll get a, a preview of the season with him coming up uh, when you listen to that podcast. And I just watched the women's scrimmage. Boy, th this team is going to shoot a lot of three-pointers, it looks like. Uh, I've been watching the men practice as well. A lot of new faces. We just talked about Kansas State having to replace a, a lot in terms of offense and rebounding where the Jets have got to replace on the men's side. Uh, Marshawn Blackman, top rebounder, top scorer, Jawan Davenport, really critical score for them last year. A couple of three-point shooters as well. So there's a lot for R.J. Allen to work through. A lot more stability on the women's side with Coach Spence, but uh, Caitlin Potter, number one three-point shooter in the history of Newman women's basketball. She's gone. Michaela Mack, over 100 assists last year for Newman. She is gone. Uh, two freshmen that were brought in, Kansas kids, uh, one from Kansas, one from Oklahoma, are injured and out for the season. Elise Kaiser and Ashanti Day, they're out with injuries. So we've been seeing a lot of Sydney Nillis running the point, former Derby Panther. Uh, she's been running the point a lot in practice. Expect to see her to play. Amani White, the freshman from last year, now a sophomore from St. Louis, has looked very explosive off the dribble in practice. So for Newman, they're going full speed ahead. November 19th is the date. And I know I know that we're covering the Jets because they're the Wichita school, but we got a lot of Emporia State, Fort Hay State, Pitt State, Washburn alums down here in Wichita. November 19th is now the date, and all of the games for the MIAA are going to be Thursdays and Saturdays, and the Wednesday games have been kicked off this year, and that's to accommodate testing so that you can test on Monday, get your results back on Wednesday so you can determine 
you know, who is safe to travel for games on Thursday and Saturday. So that is the plan right now. But as you said, uh, there is a lot that is subject to uh, how the virus, uh, how it goes this summer in Kansas and Missouri and Oklahoma and in Nebraska, what testing is available. If the cheaper tests are available, the schools can do more testing. That might change things. So obviously, it's still still a lot to, to go through for the MIAA. But as of right now, we're only about three weeks away from the start of uh, MIAA basketball here in Kansas and around the area. Whatever it takes to get games in, I guess, is the important thing. So if you they have to accommodate. They may put me up on the concourse at Fugate, which yeah. I'm not going to be happy about. But as I said, if that's what we got to do to make the show go, then that's what we have to do. We're going to do whatever we need to do. We'll have the games for you on the Newman Jets Audio Network, newmanjets.com slash listen, if you'd like to listen to the play-by-play coverage all season long. And, uh, you know, as I said months ago when I was – guest hosting with you and Weston, I I was just praying for them to be allowed to play. And if they are allowed to play, that's all that I want is because they, it would be a crime, especially for the women who have so many four-year seniors on that team. And the men has, has have one as well. It would be a crime for those kids to not get a full senior season. It's not going to be the senior season they deserve with all the fanfare, homecoming, senior day, the big crowds. Um, but to, to not be able to have a season at all would just be, it would just be devastating. So I'm as of this point, I'm so thankful that they are going to get to play. Well, we already did our finally funny to wrap up the show when we talked about Garrett Bowles from the Broncos. We did, did that idiot. earlier uh, in the show. So we don't have to worry about doing that at the end, but we do have a very quick Wichita whip around to get to. Shout out to Buddy Heald, NBA player and former Sunrise Christian Academy player and Oklahoma Sooner. He was back in Wichita just a couple of days ago to get his jersey retired. He's the first player in Sunrise history to receive receive that honor i have to tell you i have to tell you blake uh i went to the ku oklahoma game in allen Fieldhouse four years ago five that years the, ago the whatever that was overtime game the triple, triple overtime, overtime game tri- triple wow. overtime game i was I remember in, watching that i was in the building for that game i have never i've watched a lot of basketball on tv in person broadcasting it as a fan whatever I have never seen an individual performance like I saw Buddy Heald put on in Allen Fieldhouse against the Jayhawks. Now, ultimately, KU got the win, but Buddy was making everything he looked at. It was stupid, the shots that he was making, and it was so impressive that as he was walking off the court, the fans at Allen Fieldhouse gave him a standing ovation as he left. Uh, So just a huge honor for Buddy Heald to come back to Wichita, where it all started at Sunrise Christian Academy, and have his jersey retired. All right. Nobody more deserving, and I'm not – I guess I'm a little surprised that they haven't had any jerseys retired, but certainly I cannot possibly think that there is anyone more deserving uh, than Buddy Heald. What a job that he has done getting himself into the NBA. Uh, obviously one of the all-time greats at Oklahoma coming back for all four years, and, and you're right. That is certainly one of the memorable performances in Allen Fieldhouse – by anyone, you yep. know, including all the greats that have been wearing Kansas across the chest, uh, that that's got to be one of the top five performances individually in the history of Allen Fieldhouse. And, you know, shout out to Sunrise Christian Academy. I mean, obviously, Buddy Heald is probably or arguably 
the most famous alum to ever come out of that program. Uh, but they're consistently sending players, you know, to D1, D2, you know, high level college programs to play football or I'm sorry to play basketball. Um, so shout out to them. And we could probably spend a lot more time going through the history of Sunrise and talking about how great of a, a, of a program that is. Uh, but to see a guy like Buddy Heald come from that school and then do the great things he's done in college and in the NBA is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, probably something in Wichita that doesn't get quite the coverage that yeah. maybe you would expect with the amount of success that they have had and the players that they have brought through. Um, you know, a- absolutely tremendous job up there by the guys at Sunrise Christian Academy. And they, they just seem to find guys that they bring in. And, and what they've been able to do is, is nothing short of extraordinary. And Buddy Heald, obviously, a very rich uh, part of that tradition now. So that's our very quick Wichita whip around, wrapping that up here on Keeper of the Games. And that's going to wrap up our show here for this edition. As we look forward to our next episode, um, I'll just be flat out honest. No guarantee that we'll have an episode next week. Uh, There's a lot going on. Weston is is obviously still out. Uh, Blake, you're an incredibly busy guy, so I know you can't co-host next week because next week is is election day. Next Tuesday is election day, and um, and I don't. Depending on what happens, I don't know if I necessarily want to record a show. And there's probably going to be so much going on in the country that you know who knows what will happen. So sure. no guarantee that we actually will have a show for uh, for next week. Um, I would imagine that since you've got a, a pretty pivotal role, at least locally, in the election with your job with the elections office, um, I'm wondering. Let's not if, overstate that. Well, I mean, I'm going to be working late. I don't know about a pivotal role, but uh, there, there certainly are a lot of us at the election office that are working very hard to to make it happen, and uh, we'll certainly be very, very busy with that on election well, day. Well, I'm just wondering. My my point in bringing that up is, I'm just wondering if. Uh, because you're so close in that world, if you've got a message to anybody listening about voting on Tuesday. I absolutely do. So if you are thinking about voting, it's currently, let's see, this podcast is dropping on Wednesday. Uh, you should think about voting early. Vote, even if you want to vote in person, because I know there's been all this stuff about voting in the mail and the postal service and all that stuff. There are so many ways that you can vote that don't involve you showing up to your polling place on election day or using the mail. Even if you requested an advance by mail ballot, there are drop boxes that the Central County Election Commissioner has installed all over the county that you have access to. And uh, I'm going to pull up our website here for the for the map of, of Sedgwick County. So I'm going to pull that up for you here in just a second. And you can drop it off at our office. That's 510 North Main, 510 North Main, um, that you can drop off your mail-in ballot. You don't have to put a stamp on it. You bring it into a drop box. Those drop boxes are picked up daily, daily, uh, and also, uh, don't forget that we have a mega site set up at Intrust Bank Arena that runs, uh, I believe it's 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. from now until Saturday. And also, our office is open uh, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 510 North Main. I'm just telling you, if you show up on Monday morning to vote from 8 to 12 at the at the historic courthouse downtown, it's going to be absolutely crushed. And we're expecting very high turnout at the polls. So if you want to save yourself some time, 
do yourself a favor, find an early vote center. Those early vote centers are opening up all over the county, uh, all over the city and county tomorrow, and they'll be open through Saturday. You can go and vote at any early vote center. You wait to vote on election day. You must vote at your assigned polling place. We've got a website. That's got all the information you could want about voting, including where secure uh, drop boxes are located. You can request an advance by mail ballot, uh, find early vote centers. It's all online at sedgwickcounty.org slash vote. That's sedgwickcounty.org slash vote. A lot of self, uh, self-service options there as well. Sedgwickcounty.org slash vote if you want any information about voting in Sedgwick County. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this and you're in another county, you're going to have to check with them. But in Sedgwick County, sedgwickcounty.org slash vote. And I definitely don't think that uh, that you or I can overstate the importance of getting out and doing that, whether it's early or on the day of uh, just, you know, it's such an important deal, regardless of what your views are, being able to go out and and actually making that happen for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're less than a week away, you know, from from that big day. Uh, and so if you're listening and you're on the fence about it or whatever, um, absolutely make a plan, whether it's in advance or on the day of to get out and, and vote. Uh, it's incredibly important. The November other 3rd, November yeah. 3rd is the day. The other final thing that I will mention is that obviously Halloween is on Saturday. Um, I thought about dressing up as a KU football fan, but I figured that was scary enough uh, (laughs) without it, um, without it being Halloween. So I probably won't do that. I don't want to scare little kids. Um, But uh, no, are you dressing up for Halloween at all? When you look like me, you shouldn't disrespect a costume by wearing it. No reason for me to do that. Yeah, no, uh, enough said. Uh, Hey, don't forget to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast, you'll get a notification. Again, you can listen on all platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and many others out there. You can visit our new website at cogsportskogsports.com. You can watch full episodes on YouTube and Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod at kogpod. So, uh, Again, no idea if we'll have a new episode next week. I would say it's probably 50-50 on whether or not we drop one. If we do, it won't be with Blake. We might not be here. We might have something else. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Weston will not be a part of it next week either. So it might be a surprise. I might. Hey, maybe I'll do an entire hour by myself. Solo. Wow. I don't know if I can be the Tommy show. I'm not Jim Rome, so I don't know if I can pull that off. Uh, But (laughs) But if uh, you could, it would be tremendous. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great impression. Phenomenal. Uh, Yeah. We'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, And then we'll kind of play it by ear as far as your involvement moving forward, uh, depending on when Weston comes back. I know Weston's supposed to be coming back. I mean, what's he got to do anyway? I mean, come on. Come on. He's got nothing important going on. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure that we'll, um, we'll, we'll see you back at some point. I don't know if it'll be a couple weeks from now or a month from now or w- when it will be, but we'll definitely have you back if you're willing to come back. Absolutely, man. Always, always good to keep the, uh, the chair warm for good old Weston and the, uh, Andale Indian football show. All right. You can follow Blake on Twitter at B E Crips. That's B E C R I P P S. And you can follow me on Twitter anytime at tweets from Tommy until next time for Blake Crips. I'm Tommy Castor. You've been listening to keeper of the games. 
You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod. 